Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Every day, we are bombarded by information, Christian and otherwise, truth and untruth. How do we survive in the midst of the onslaught? Today, First Pres Executive Coordinator Jenny Sung has some answers. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Jenny Sung. I'm on staff here at First Pres, and I'm often near downtown at our campus, secondary campus called The Vine. It's near Kaka'ako. And now after shutting down this campus at the start of the pandemic in 2020, I'm very thankful to report that the vine is bustling with people in ministry, with people in discipleship groups, and, and rooted in Alpha to Divorce Care, and Stephen Ministry Trainings, and Women of Faith, and Gen X, prayer walks, and midweek, and Sunday live stream services. There's been everything from worship and prayer nights, testimonies, and community engagement with businesses and nonprofits and different churches coming together to care for their most vulnerable and forgotten populations. Just last week, we connected with the manager of the Oahu Alcoholics Anonymous as people need safe places to heal and recover. I mean, isn't that what the church is for? To shine the light of Christ, breaking in his kingdom into this broken world in need of healing and restoration. We remember that we serve a faithful and generous God who's active in our world today, and we're called and equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit to go and serve and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I know this isn't always easy. Oftentimes, life gets really hard, right? Sorrows like sea billows roll. There are trials and persecution, like this gnat that keeps flying in my face. <laughs> There's a teaching pastor, author, and speaker, Daniel Strickland, and she does a lot of urban ministry. She says this, there are hard things in this world that press down and deal with cycles and systems and structures and injustice that push people down and increase the fatalistic situations in our world. Yep, and we can look at the world around us and can be swayed by so much dread and worry. Could feel like there's so much injustice and violence and uncertainty for the future. Doubt and fear can creep in and we feel unstable. Today we look at a church in Thessalonica that was feeling pretty unstable. They were losing sight of God's truth and alarmed, fearful. They needed to be reminded of who they were and their purpose as the chosen people of God. As their teacher, mentor, and friend, the Apostle Paul reminded them encouraged, strengthened, and even corrected when they were in the wrong. Our lectionary passage for today is from the New Testament, the second book of Thessalonians. Will you stand with me, if able, as we read God's holy word together? This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 and 13 through 17. Let's read this together. As to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we beg you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as though from us to the effect that the day of the Lord is already here. Let no one deceive you in any way. For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first 
and the lawless one is revealed, the one destined for destruction. He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, declaring himself to be God. Do you not remember that I told you these things when I was with you? But we must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. For this purpose, he called you through our proclamation of the good news so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and through grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, comfort your hearts and strengthen them in every good work and word. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. So who are the people in this church? And what was happening that Paul would need to write this? The church in Thessalonica were new believers in Jesus, one of their earliest church plants, some Greeks, some Jews who turned to Jesus. And this church, as many of the early Christians, they suffered discrimination, even violence for their faith. So people were shunned from their families, ostracized, workers even stopped from practicing their trade. They were insulted, some were beaten, and sometimes mobs would be incited against them. Jealous Jews would just incite mobs to go after Paul and the followers. But still, these people in the church, they were faithful. In the previous letter in 1 Thessalonians, Paul thanks them for their faith and their labor. He says, they're prompted by love and their endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So why now? What would shake them up? Why would Paul have to address this church? Well, it had to do with the second coming, the return of Jesus, the end of all things, or eschatology is a theological term. Now we know there's always an enemy at work, you know, against the people of God. Satan is called the father of lies and he comes to install fear and wreak havoc and often will twist the truth. You see, the Thessalonian church, in faith, they were waiting for the return of Jesus one day, the day of the Lord where there'll be ultimate justice in the world. But someone or some people were using Paul's name, maybe even writing letters and saying, oh, it's from me, Paul, spreading lies, saying that the day of the Lord is here. God's final act of justice on human evil has already come. Now this word, let me explain, the day of the Lord, it, it, would, it would have been familiar. It has familiar Old Testament references associated with God's outpouring of judgment, wrath, deliverance of God's people. And New Testament scholar N.T. Wright, he observes that the Old Testament prophets used the word the day of the Lord, referring to catastrophes that befell Jerusalem. So in this confusing moment, the Thessalonian Christians were like, what? The day of the Lord is already here? Has Jesus returned? Have, have we missed it? Uncertainty had thrown their future into question, their hope into doubt. Are they suffering for nothing? The passage says that people were shaken, shaken from their minds. And in Greek, this is like this violent earthquake that comes. It's this violent unsettling. 
You know, they were mentally unwell. And so Paul says, no, don't believe the lies. Those letters, those words, they're not from me. None of these reports were from Paul himself. And he says, people are deceiving you. And it's like he's addressing this nervous preoccupation that's going on with the coming back of the Lord. And he sets it straight and he begs them, do not easily be shaken. This is not the kind of attitude we are to hold as followers of Jesus. Now, I like how Paul clarifies and he settles their anxiety. And you know, he gets very practical. He lays them out. No, the day of the Lord has not come. These things must happen first, right? He talks about, you know, the embodiment of evil. There's this man of lawlessness. And, you know, all these things he lays out. But the lectionary today kind of focuses on these last verses where we come back, kind of like in a psalm of lament, and then you come back to the faithfulness of the Lord. Ultimately, at the end of this chapter, Paul circles back to ground the people to ground the people with God's truth, to tell them, you are chosen by God. You are the people of God, and you were called by him, his beloved, for a purpose. He brings them back to the center in Jesus Christ. And when the world is chaotic and there's persecution, it's natural to feel like everything's coming to an end. And you know, as much as eschatology and arguments of the end times, you know, there are arguments for pre and mid and post-tribulation views, and you can read up the wisdom about it. They all have their great and good place. But we must always remember that we walk in the confidence that we serve a God who already has the victory. God has already won the war. And through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, Sin and death has been conquered and the enemy defeated forever, forever. So we wait until Jesus comes again. And it says in Matthew 24, 36, no one knows the day or the hour. And we're not to be shaken, but we must continue to work out every good deed and word to the glory of Jesus Christ our Lord. As followers of Jesus, we need to be mindful and alert, and the Bible says we are to be ready. Paul ends this passage grounding us back to remind us who we are in Christ, and reminds us that we're his beloved, that we're chosen by him, and that we've been called through the proclamation of the good news. You know, it's like that story of Zacchaeus, right? We have a God who, who, who just seeks out, God's love just seeks out, and he calls us out first. And he says, I see you, and I've called you. So therefore, stand firm. Hold fast to what you learn, to what you know. Paul says, so then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, either by word, right, what he was teaching, or by letter, or by scripture. Hold fast. As we look at our passage today, I think it's helpful to extract some of the practical ways that we can stand firm and hold fast as the people of God. Now, these gems, you know, as I looked at it, they're, they're quite practical. I was like, hmm, maybe they're even obvious. But I want to share them with you because I believe they're essential to practice as the people of God. So very simply, these gems are to be gathered, to remember, and to rely on the Holy Spirit. So let's go to the first gem, be gathered. 
Now, this is actually in the very, very first line of our passage, right? Paul says, in regard to the coming of the Lord and our gathering to him. Now, here's he's talking about the day, you know, when, when ultimately all of us, all of us believers, we will be gathered together to Jesus, right? But this word gather in the Greek is actually also mentioned one other time in the New Testament. It's in Hebrews 10, 25 and it's in the regular gathering of believers. Hebrews 10, 25 says, don't give up meeting together, assembling together, the gathering, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. There's something significant in the gathering of Christians for worship. And you, you know, we are called to do this more and more as we see the day approaching. And so I love this context of this larger and future gathering to Jesus as believers, but also in the here and now, as believers, we're called to gather together to him. And I love how like the navigators, they describe it. It's like this habit. The habit implies the gathering for church and small group communities. This life is almost a mini version or dress rehearsal of when Christ will gather us together at his return. We're like, we're like practicing. I have a friend, Kathy Queen, always says that. It's life where we're practicing. We're practicing. So how can we stand firm and hold fast to what we know? One of the very practical ways is to be gathered together to him. We're not meant to be alone, to do community as Christian, to do without community as Christians. You know, we serve this Trinitarian God, right? God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're, they're never alone. And so I think we're called together, not to be alone, we're called to gather together in community. I was once listening to this pastor from Scotland talk about her church and she used this analogy of penguins. And she described how these penguins would cluster together against the cold and, you know, but they all moved together, rotating in and out to keep each other warm. And she was describing the church body. I shared that analogy with my small group and they absolutely loved it and Johanna found the clip and so she shared it and here I want to share it with you. And what's amazing is that these penguins somehow understand that they have to gather around each other for more than they converge on the central point. And they rotate in and out, and they waddle in like single purpose and unity. You know, the ones on the outside, they tuck in and then they take the brunt of the cold, right? But the ones on the inside know that they have to take that step, you know? And they're always moving, right? The kingdom of God, it's always moving. You're breaking in. And so it's almost like you see these penguins, they're moving. And no one is exposed to the cold for too long on the outside. And when it's hard, they kind of come back in, they're in the warm center. And then you kind of go back out again and they keep moving. You know. The penguins are amazing, and I thought, you know, I'm not so sure we do much better as humans. I can see some of us trying to like jive for the best position and fight to just stay in that middle for as long as we can. And some of us would be like, you know, it shouldn't be a circle, it should be a line, and I need to be in front of the line, follow me. And then, you know, Presbyterian penguins would be like, we need to have a group council, and we need to follow the Roberts rules of order. And I think some of us would just wander off, be like, you know what, I don't need no stinking huddle. I am fine on my own. Sometimes our waddle does not look pretty. But when we can all converge on the same central point, the epicenter, Jesus, we become a community gathered together to him. 
a community that loves and serves one another. And when, it's, when people are cold and going through rough seasons, we tuck them in, but we're all still moving, breaking in the kingdom of God, and then we rotate out again. And we're moving. It's this community that moves in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can move together in unity, rotating, and we support one another and break in the kingdom of God into the cold areas of earth. And you know, I'm not just talking about like small groups or like one single church. But can you imagine just this larger body of believers, all who profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, were deployed out into the world, into our businesses and communities. You know, one of the stories that I shared last time um, when I was up here was just the incredible work of some churches and ministries caring for the most vulnerable, at-risk youth and our elderly. And since then, you know, uh, we've continued to try to bring together this network of believers, you know, people who are Christians from nonprofits and churches and individuals who are serving the most vulnerable and forgotten. This gathering together is part of a larger vision of how we can move together in unison for kingdom impact in this broken world. Many of us actually have kind of had the same vision. So when we're gathered, we're like, I was thinking the same thing. And it's just beautiful to see how we can connect and impact the world. Now, there's just a few photos, I think, that might come up. I just want to show you a couple of the things that's been happening. We have this great evening with River of Life Mission and uh, Paul Gates, a Christian organization. They actually turned down a free building when they were told that you could not share about Jesus. And they said, no, thank you. And so they continue on where they were, you know? And so we invited brothers and sisters in Christ, people from the Faith Collaborative Network that actually networks over 200 organizations from uh, healthcare, mental health, churches, nonprofits, et cetera, serving the poor, the homeless, those who are disenfranchised. We had volunteers, the Cody's come out from the pantry, and Revive and Refresh, and the Food Bank, Kauai Hau Church, and Harbor Church, and Harris United Methodist that has a soup kitchen and serves meals to IHS and other shelters. We also had this evening with Chris Kanemura and Mari Kanemura with Made in Hope. They're a Christian organization fighting to break the cycle of exploitation from the global sex trade from trafficking. And people from different churches, we gathered together, together that night. And we prayed that God would break through in the dark areas of the world and that our hearts would break for what breaks his. We wanted to mobilize more people in prayer and connection as the body of Christ. In negative 40, in cold, cold weather, signifying the coldness of our broken world, how do we stand firm and hold fast to what we know is true? As we wait for the Lord, can we be gathered together to him? From microcosm to macrocosm, let's gather together to him. And second, remembering is key to standing firm. Remember, this is what Paul asked. He says, do you not remember the things that I told you when I was with you? Do you not remember? We're awfully fast to forget. And how often did the Israelites just forget, forget the God, their God and their faithfulness of their God? How often do we forget the ways that God has revealed himself to us in our past? We are forgetful people and we must do everything we can to remember the things that God has revealed and to remember who we are in him. So 
what helps us to remember, right? Of course, there are private things like journaling, you know, reading scripture every day, doing daily examine when you look at your day, doing devotionals and habits that are built in to help us remember who God is, his character, who we are, and what he wants us to do. And of course, this can be done in community as well, but you know what I find in community is really powerful in remembering is to share stories. Share your stories. Share, share little and big stories to help remember God's truth. In Rooted, in their small groups, every single week, a different person takes turns sharing their story, sharing testimonies of God working in our lives. And as we practice with one another, why, we're reminded, we're reminded, oh my gosh, that's a miracle, or oh my goodness, God is faithful. And we encourage one another. We remember who God is. And then we practice as we go out of our small group and we try to share with somebody new. I'm gonna to practice today, I'm gonna to share a story with you. This literally just happened in the last couple days. Every week we have a prayer walk um, at the Vine campus, and Kathy Queen and I usually walk, um, the, you know, kind of around the community, and we walk and we pray for the businesses, or if we feel led to pray for people. And there's this uh, transitional housing uh, building that's right uh, literally across the street from us. And so we went, we kind of went, and we, we were just quietly praying for the families there, and there's this glass case and there's a business card in there with the general manager's name. And so, you know, um, we prayed that the doors may open, that somehow, like maybe the, the doors would open and somehow we can um, come alongside them to show God's love to anyone who might be hurting, to support that community. So I called and left a message to the general manager, no response. And then, you know, I kind of gathered up the courage and I sent an email and it got returned. I was like, oh, maybe that person's not there anymore. I didn't know. I, I, I was like, oh, there's no foot in the door. I was like, God, I guess that door's closed. You know, maybe, maybe it wasn't meant to be. And, you know, maybe they don't need a community. Maybe they've got a great community of support going on. And it was literally hours later after I prayed that morning. I get this text from another pastor on the Woodward side. And she asked me, hey, are you interested in supporting a building a permanent housing community for Kupuna, our elderly transitioning out of chronic homelessness. Are you interested? I was like, I was just praying about that. I was praying about how we come alongside to support those in transitional housing. And this text comes through, and it wasn't, just to let you know, it wasn't the same building, okay? But it was in town, it was close. And so I, I called and connected with a supervisor for the housing assistance for seniors. This person, I've never met her in my life. We don't know each other. Turns out she's a Christian woman. She ended up sharing her story with me about how God led her to this new job. And I have her permission to share her story today. She said she lost her father suddenly. She said, you know, one day he was taking a nap and he never woke up. He died. There were no health issues. No illness, he was just gone like that. Her grief was intense and she told me about how she went through grief share. And she had worked with the Job Corps for years, but, but wanted to help Kapuna and seniors and then God led her to this job, helping Kapuna, our elderly, transition out of chronic homelessness. I told her, you know what, God brought us together today. Can I share my story? 
that just like your father, my husband died in the exact same way. He fell asleep and he never woke up. There was no illness, he just died and he was gone. And I went through grief share too. I love grief share. Hey, let's, let's pray for one another. Let's see how we can support you and this beautiful commu- community of 20 kapunas. How can we help? It was a God moment where we prayed together and we dreamt of all the ways that we can support this community and share God's love. And of course, I call Sky Stewart and I'm like, Sky, can we go in for the holidays? I call Rob and I'm like, can we sing choir? Can we sing? And, and you know, when I saw Kathy sharing the story, I called her and I said, hey, I just got to tell you, remember that transitional housing and we prayed for open doors? Well, you know where I got a call from? It's not that building, but I share with you what happened. And she said, oh my gosh, praise God. And she said, you just made my day. Thank you. You know, sharing our stories with one another, it is a good reminder. It reminds us of God's faithfulness that he is at work active in breaking in his kingdom each and every day. He's bringing all things together for good. So how can we stand firm and hold fast to what we learned? Remember and remind one another. Hold fast and share your stories. Keep sharing them. And lastly, the Holy Spirit. We must rely on the power of the Holy Spirit called the Comforter. Jesus said that he was leaving the Comforter with us. That last day before he was crucified, he says, I leave you the Comforter. In verse 16, Paul writes, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. You know that, that word eternal encouragement? If you look at the Greek word, it's paraklesis, here translated as encouragement in this verse, is eternal in the person of the Holy Spirit. So cool. The Holy Spirit known as paraclete, translated as sometimes advocate, or comforter, or helper. This prayer for inner courage, parakaleo, and strength draws from God, not from ourselves. It's God who is the eternal source of encouragement and hope. And you know what, this is really good news. And that's why this is like such an important, you know, reminder to hold fast, is to rely on the Holy Spirit because we don't have to buck up and stand firm on our own strength. This is not something that, you know, we need to just muster up and stand on our own strength. And you know what, it's gonna lead to burnout and it's gonna lead to exhaustion and you're gonna feel drained. We need to keep praying for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. We need to move with the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to do everything on our own. The Holy Spirit will encourage and remind us and strengthen us in every good deed and word. The Holy Spirit is also the one who gives us boldness, maybe to do things we've never quite done before, and guides us in truth and conviction. And so we wait and rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. As we prepare our hearts for communion, I think we can all use a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit today, yes? I wanna end by inviting us into a time of ministry 
just a quiet time of ministry to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come and help us remember who God is, to experience his presence, to say, come Jesus, come, to feel hope once again and to be encouraged and strengthened. There are some of us who are quite shaken right now, who are quite unsure of the future. Perhaps you are exhausted and drained and you need the strength that comes from God. If you're feeling tossed about like the winds and the waves of a storm, know that you don't have to stand on your own. We can rely on the eternal comforter. And so, if you would like that prayer for comfort and you wanna be encouraged and strengthened, it's just a quiet time of prayer. If that's you, just as witness before God, will you just go ahead and raise your hand? Say, I wanna pray for that feeling right now. Okay. And we wanna pray for one another. And this is just a sign from us to God, yes. We all need that. And for those of you who are sitting around, go take a look around and I'm gonna invite you just to come and very quietly and gently come around that person. And you know, it doesn't have to be a lot of words. It doesn't have to be wordy. We're gonna let the Holy Spirit do the work. We're just gonna say, come Holy Spirit. We pray for your peace and comfort. Okay, and we're just gonna have this time and you're gonna hear the song, come Jesus, come. Come Holy Spirit, come and we're gonna pray. So just turn to one another as we listen to the song, and let's pray. And now receive this blessing. May our Lord turn his face upon you. May he be gracious to you. And may you always remember the deep abiding love of Jesus Christ in your hearts as you follow him, as we continue to be gathered to him, as we continue to remember him, and as we continue to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name we pray, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Continue to worship and praise. And um, if any of you during the service felt like this word might be for you, this may be of the Lord, I maybe pizza. Um, I sense that there may be some people here who'd want prayer for anyone you know with dementia or maybe you are experiencing symptoms related to dementia, and if you would like the prayer, if you would like prayer, I just sense that God wants to, God wants to be with you and meet with you right now. Um, please come forward to the front of the service. God bless you, and of course, there's a prayer corner, and continue to um, press the request prayer button if you're online. God bless you. If we are ever shaken, unsure, confused by all the information out there, Stay grounded in a community of Christians and lean on the Holy Spirit for guidance and truth. If you want to catch up on or listen again to previous services, please visit our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Prayer sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. Please join First Prez for church. We meet in person and online. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus, 
10 a.m. at The Vine in Kaka'ako or online through our websites. And remember, when you visit the website, check out the news page to keep up with everything that's happening at church. You can also sign up for emails, listen to or watch sermons, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Pres can do for you, please reach out through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2022 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.